0: Bullying has been around for a long time. It's nothing new. There are many different types of bullies. It can start with name-calling. It can get into full-blown physical bullying. There's verbal bullying and cyberbullying and workplace bullying, school bullying, text bullying. Parents can bully children. Spouses can bully each other. In fact, the harassment comes in all forms. The harassment can even take on criminal charges, criminal categories, when it's harassment or hazing or assault. Bullying can happen just about anywhere. Just to give you a few statistics, over 3.2 million students are victims of bullying each year. Approximately 160,000 teens stay home from school every day just to avoid bullying. Bullying. did you catch that? 90% of fourth through eighth graders report being victims of bullying. Maybe you've been the victim of bullying at some point in your life. If I just mention bullying, it probably stirs up some emotions. Somebody probably comes to your mind and it was not a good time in your life. People get bullied because of race color, because of disabilities, because of weight, being overweight, being underweight. People get bullied because of lack of athletic ability, because of appearance, because they wear glasses, because they're the new kid in school. Their clothing is not like other people's clothing. They get bullied because of gender, because of sexual gender, because of religion. People get bullied and bullies are everywhere. I mean, children see bullies at school all the time. You may work with people who are bullies. You may have neighbors who are bullies. You may live with a bully. Maybe a parent bullies you. Maybe kids bully the parents. It's not unheard of. They may be rich. They may be poor. They may be wise. They may be foolish. Bullies are everywhere. Bullies are everywhere. Bullies are everywhere, even in... Churches. Christians can be bullies with the best of them. They can be male or female. They can be a long-standing member. They might be in a leadership role. They may be parents... They had them in the first century, read about diatrophies, and they still exist today. Bullies in the church, they throw their weight around, they get loud, they plot, and they manipulate. They love to be in charge, they like to feel important. They're critics, and they love to criticize. They're harsh and abrasive and judgmental, and they do just as much damage as school bullies. Read with me. At dawn, Jesus appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around Him, and He sat down to teach them teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery in the law. Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, if any one of you is without sin... Let him be the first to throw a stone at her. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left with a woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up again and asked, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. And Jesus said, Then neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. I don't know if you've ever thought about this story in this context before, but this is about bullies. You've got some bullies that are going to go trap a woman. You've got some bullies that are going to station themselves outside this woman's house. And these bullies plotted outside her house, and they drag her through the streets, and they plop her in front of Jesus because of a sin, a sexual sin, adultery. And they wanted her stoned. And so they bullied her. It could have been any sin for that matter. It could have been false witness. It could have been stealing. They didn't really need this woman so much. They're just trying to trap Jesus. It could have been any sin. It could have been homosexuality. And then they bullied Jesus. Scripture says they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis to accuse Him. So they tried to bully Jesus into a trap. And some people who... They can read the whole story, and their favorite verse, their favorite words are, go now and leave your life of sin. Well, what about the rest of the story? Well, yeah, but Jesus told her. I mean, Jesus told her, go now and leave your life of sin. And and that's what He should have told her, and she should have been stoned. I'm right there with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, is what some would say. And yet Jesus said, he who is without sin which would pretty much leave out anybody in that audience and which would pretty much leave out anybody in this audience. Because we all have sin. That rules out all of us. And yet we still throw stones and we still bully people. I guess I'm just wanting to do a little preventive maintenance because of the Supreme Court decision and stuff that I read. Rodney spoke on this subject a couple of weeks ago, but I'm really not, don't hear me wrong, I'm not really preaching on homosexuality. That's not my goal today. But yet what I've been reading the last several weeks and what I read in other people's bulletins and what I read on the internet and the blogs, the claws have come out. And Christians, in the name of religion, have been downright nasty and mean and bullying towards homosexuals. I find it interesting that the one person in the crowd the one person in the crowd who can condemn her says, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And I also find it interesting, I've always found it interesting, that Christians can be so condemning when the only one who can doesn't. So like I said, just some preventive maintenance, because I don't want to be known as a church. I don't want us to be known as Christians who bully people. Go and sin no more. And that's what we need to be telling the homosexuals. Some of you will say, that's what we need to be telling them. Almost in a bullying fashion. So I'll tell you, we need to tell homosexuals, go and sin no more. That's true. But I'm kind of curious, why don't we... Why why don't we say that this is what we need at our church... People exactly like us, welcome, and I blacked out the church that had that on there. The problem is, um, people exactly like which one of us? Which one of us? Interesting. Jesus said, go and sin no more. What what I find interesting is, okay, we need to tell the homosexuals that. Why aren't we telling anybody else that? Why are we going to single out the homosexuals? I mean, why don't we tell the people who are the malicious talkers and the divisive and the gossiping and those who are disobedient to their parents, those following pornography and stealing and the filthy jokes and the spreading rumors, living together, sexual immorality, the bigotry, the racism, lying, the stealing. How come we're not saying that? How come the clause don't come out against that? I mean, that's sin. That's sin. All of those are sin. So I'm just kind of curious why the bullying against homosexuals. I mean, we could be telling a lot of people that. You, you you know, for a tribe that has always preached that all sins are equal, we, we don't live that way. We don't act that way. We say all sins. Jesus nailed all the sins to the cross. Well, yeah, but homosexuals, why are the, why are the claws coming out? I'll tell you why. Because we don't believe all sins are equal. We think some are more... We think some are more dreadful. We think some are more shocking, some are more terrible, some are more scandalous. Granted, some are more public and some are in private. Some sins more people know about, some sins nobody knows about. We have people in same-sex marriages who want to know, Hey, are we welcome here? My response is, well, we welcome all these other people. Why can't we welcome homosexuals? Which stirs up emotions in you today, I know. But we're, wel- we're welcoming that w- we've been worshiping with people who gossip and are divisive and have malicious talk, and we've been worshiping with those people for hundreds of years. So I'm just wondering why we pick one sin and bully one sin. It's kind of interesting, but again, I, I, I just don't know why Christians want to be so harsh and ugly and judgmental and condemning and throwing stones and bullies because I, I don't want to be known as that kind of church or that kind of Christian. I, I, I like the quote by Beth Moore. She said, What's not going to serve us well in this area is arrogance. We have to be willing to stare at ourselves in the mirror and ask an honest question. Does anybody out there in the unbelieving world want what I have? Wow. If we have the love and the hope of Jesus and the joy of those who know they're forgiven and the security of those who know they're loved unconditionally and the certainty of those who know where they're headed when this life is over, the answer to that question will be yes. If we're grossly self-righteous and condemning and lack humility and gentleness and grace and genuine love, we can't blame their resistance on being put off by Jesus. They'll be put off by us. Listen, I'll come back to something. So here's my goal today, in, in light of the recent Supreme Court decision about same-sex marriage, instead of focusing on same-sex marriage, I, I think we ought to focus on sin, period. Let's not be bullies, and let's not be bullies because of one's sin. I mean, I, I don't want to sugarcoat our sins, because, you know, our sins are not that bad. Right? Their sins are the bad sins. Our, our sins can be overlooked. I mean, at least we're here today. At least we can come to church and we probably occasionally read our Bibles and we go to Camp Deer Run. So, you know, our, I mean, our, surely God looks on us and we're not that bad. But those people... Richie, any person that reads the Bible knows that homosexuality is wrong. Yep. And anybody who reads the Bible knows that sexual immorality and impurity and lust and evil desires and greed and adultery and anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language is wrong. We, we seem to have a lot of that here. In, I mean, we're, the wages of sin is death and all have sinned. So I'm just describing us from Scripture. Well, well Richie, um, what about... Sexually immoral and idolaters and adulterers and thieves and greedy and drunkards and slanders and swindlers. And I intentionally didn't bold a couple of categories because I don't want to single out just the homosexuals and the prostitutes. I'm trying to illustrate there's a lot of other sins that are wrong too. And anybody who reads their Bible knows that the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. I'd have to bold that whole thing. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Are, are you going to pretend to tell me that doesn't exist here too? We know it does. We know it does. Because we're all sinners. And if we read the Bible, we know that we all sin. I, I, don't, I don't know if you've ever heard it this way before. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before. I, I'm, I'm sure you've heard it, but I don't know what your sins are. But your sins nailed Jesus to the cross. If you were the only person on this earth and you sinned, Jesus would come and died for you. And so your sins nailed Jesus to the cross. All those sins that we just read in Scripture nailed Jesus to the cross. All those sins that we have. So here's what I want to do today. I, just, I want to talk about sin. I don't want to highlight one sin again this is not a sin on homosexuality this is not a sin to back off of preaching the truth this is this is a sermon on sin because it exists not a real popular sermon because kind of applies to all of us i preached um last wednesday at west Irwin and tyler and a gentleman came up afterwards and he said i'm so glad you preached that sermon for my wife There are some sermons that I'm sure I've preached, Rodney's preached, others have preached that really don't hit you, apply to you. But this one ought to hit every one of us. So let me just talk about sin a little bit. And I'll just put the cross up there with a lot of sins on it. Let me define what sin is. God's called us to live a certain way. And if we don't live the way God has called us to live, that's called disobedience. It's called willful rebellion. It's called wickedness. It's called sin. So when you lie, however you want to define your lie and whatever color you want to put on your lie, and it's just a little white, it's a lie and it's a sin. And Jesus went to the cross for that lie. And when you cheat, and when you speed, And when you gossip, and when you badmouth, and when you slander, and when you kill someone, and when you live in sin and sexual immorality, that's called sin. And that's not how God has called us to live. I've also noticed that we tend to emphasize the sins of others. I like the way one person defined it. He said we tend to categorize sin into two categories, my sin and your sin, and mine's not bad. But your sin's horrible. And you should repent. And we sometimes categorize that way, which is maybe why Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye when you got this big old huge plank in your eye? Why don't you go look in the mirror a little bit before you start bullying other people and throwing stones? You know, it's easy to look at the sins of others. Every one of you all here today is worse person than I am. I mean, you're, you guys are terrible. I mean, it's always easy to find someone who's not living as good as me. So I'll just highlight their sins, right? And the Bible says, don't do that. I've also noticed, whether we want to admit it or not, that we tend to label sin. Again, for a tribe saying that all sins are equal, we sure don't treat them like they're all equal. I mean, you kill somebody, that's that's bad. You commit adultery, that's bad. You gossip, Yeah, that's that's not a bad one. I can still get into heaven on that one. It's what we think. So we label sin. You speed on the highway? Really, Richie, that's not a bad one. It's disobedience to the governing authorities, and it's a sin. And depending on the sin, we tend to label the sinner. I mean, sex offenders and child abusers? Are you kidding me? They're horrible. We'll come down on them and want to bully them, but... Again, the gossips and the liars and the cheats. Yeah, that's it. Richie, that's a whole other category. There, there's like these way bad sins and there's these not so bad sins. And the way bad sins are always what other people are doing. I've also noticed that we tend to be, we seem to be tolerating sin more in our society and in our churches. I mean, those of you who might be, I'm not going to go as far back as Darren did and call you 97, but those of you who were around when TV first came out, I mean, TV was clean. I mean, do you remember the first curse word on TV? And you're like, oh. well, you turn on your TV now and they'll just rattle off a string of that. In the movies we go to, we even justify the movies we go to. It's not that bad. Really? Do you know how many F-bombs you listen to in that movie? You know how many other curse words you listen Yeah, but it's not that bad. It doesn't affect me. And we seem to be tolerating sin more. We tolerate our own sins. We tolerate the sins of others. We even tolerate sin in the church. It's okay. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We don't want to make anybody mad. I like the quote by Ryan Dobson who says, tolerance is the virtue of those who believe in nothing. Wow. Listen, folks, God is patient, and God does not want anyone to perish. And God sent His Son so everyone could be saved, and so God calls us to live a certain way. And we may tolerate our sin, and we may tolerate the sin of others, and we may even tolerate sin in the church, but God does not tolerate sin. His Son died for sin. So you can say, well, I I don't want to make anybody mad. It's called the wrath of God. You want to irritate somebody, it's called the wrath of God. And so we can sugarcoat sin and we can say, you know, it's no big deal, but we're here today and we gather here today in the midst of all of our sin because we believe in the mercy of God and what God did at the cross. Because sin has a cost and the sin debt must be paid. Everybody here today, everybody here today, I don't know if you've ever heard this before, you're going to stand before God someday. I mean, you and God are going to be face to face. And you're going to have to give an account for how you lived. And God's not going to flip a coin and say in or out. God's going to look at your life and how you lived your life. How you lived is going to determine where your eternity is going to be. Jesus has paid our sin debt and that's not a license to sin more. That's not a reason to live any way you want. The fact is Jesus paid our sin debt. So that doesn't mean you can go do whatever you want to do. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. We sang that song this morning. Rodney led that on purpose. There was one who was willing to die in my stead, that a soul so unworthy might live in the path to the cross. He was willing to tread all the sins of my life to forgive. So when you look at sin, that's the only way to look at sin is... For Jesus at the cross, He paid a debt He didn't owe. I owe a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. All my sins, my gossip sins, my lying sins, my cheating sins, my speeding sins, my homosexual sins, my sexual immorality sins. They're all in the same pot. Jesus paid our sin debt. That's why He came. And the Bible says, if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. And folks say, well, why are, you, why are you being so mean to me? I'm, I'm just reading Scripture. If you want to be mad at somebody, you can be mad at God. It won't do you any good. If you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. I find it interesting that the more I preach, I... To the same audience, I feel like I have to explain myself. So just to explain myself. So, Richie, I guess you're for same-sex marriages. That's what you're doing today is you're defending this. No. I've got homosexuality in my family. Kelly's got it in her family. It's it's very real to us. Listen, folks, um, I do not believe same-sex marriages are biblical, and I, I won't perform one. And I believe that homosexuality is a sin just like every other sin. And Jesus needed to die on the cross for all of those. So, how can I highlight whether the Supreme Court has authorized. Do you think homosexuality didn't exist in the first century? I mean, read about all the Roman rulers. My goodness, what an interesting bunch of sinners. I mean, homosexuality didn't just show up because we were born. We're called to honor God. We're called to to follow God. God said, look, if you want to be my people, if you want to wear my name, if you want to be Christians, then I want you to live a certain way. And no matter your sin, homosexuality or drunkenness or malicious gossip or pornography or adultery, sexual immorality... Adultery, greed, hatred, jealousy, fits of rage, M- my words to you from God, regardless of your sin, and God's words to me are, go and sin no more. Listen, the good news of the gospel. Listen, folks, we're not going to get anywhere arguing with homosexuals about whether they were born that way or not. You can listen to Lady Gaga all you want, and she may say, I was born this way. You're not going to get anywhere with that argument but we can get somewhere with the argument that the, the Word of God has the power to call us out of any lifestyle. And the call of God and the call of Jesus is really pretty simple. Whatever your sin, you don't have to live that way anymore. You don't have, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to argue whether you're born that way. You know, I, I've, I've known 60, 70, 80 year old people in the church that. Are not homosexuals, but lie and cheat and gossip, and they'll say, That's just the way I am. Okay, you don't have to live that way because Jesus wants to set us free, and Jesus has the power to set us free, and God has the power to remove any behavior or addiction or sin in our lives. You don't have to live that way. If you want to live that way, it's your choice, and Scripture says you will die. But Jesus says, How about I call you out of that lifestyle? Whatever the lifestyle, whatever the behavior, whatever the sin, whatever it is that's going on in your life, Jesus says, you don't have to live that way. And that's the good news is Jesus can rescue us from any behavior, any addiction, any sin. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. So why are we... Why are we condemning some sins? I'm not saying we are. Again, I'm just doing some preventive maintenance. We don't want to be known as a condemning church. I don't think we want to be known as something that Jesus wasn't known for. So if Jesus didn't come to condemn but came to save, how about we preach Jesus? I think the Bible's pretty clear. You preach Jesus and don't judge. God will handle that. You preach Jesus, you don't judge. I believe all sinners need Jesus, period. Regardless of the sin. I don't think they need condemnation. They get that in the world on a daily basis. I don't think they need to be judged. They get that in the world on a daily basis. I don't think they ought to get that at church. I don't think they need someone throwing rocks at them. I don't think they need to be bullied. Paul says, put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self. I mean, Jesus calls every one of us. I mean, some of y'all need to be set free today from something. Sin's got a hold of you. It does every day. And you need Jesus to set you free. The church of all places. The church of all places. I think the church of all places should be a city of refuge. A place where people can come and find acceptance. A place where people can come and find the love of God. But let me tell you something. Love does not command that I accept your sin. As is evident today, I'll stand here and preach against any sin you're doing. Or me. And like Jesus says, I don't have any problem telling me or you what the truth is. Hey, you don't have to live that way. Go and sin no more. Stop living in that lifestyle. Jesus told her, you know, go and sin no more. Stop living in sexual immorality. Stop committing adultery. Stop living. You don't have to live that way. So love commands that I love you. Love does not command that I tolerate Love doesn't tell me to bully. Love doesn't tell me to condemn. Love doesn't tell me to judge. But love does command that I preach the truth. And so if you're worshiping here today, I don't, I don't know your sins. We cover them really well, don't we? I mean, I wore a coat just to especially cover up some of my sins. We cover up really well. I don't know what your sins are. So I'm not picking on you. I'm preaching the truth. That regardless of where you are in life and regardless of your sins... and I don't need to know your sins, but regardless of your sins, Jesus' invitation to you is, hey, you don't have to live that way. Go and sin no more. So again, instead of picking on one sin, how about we call sin, sin? Because any sin nailed Jesus to the cross. And that's enough reason to change our lifestyle. So we offer the invitation of Jesus today. It's a call to live in freedom. It's a call to live without the shackles of sin, the power of sin in our lives. I mean, baptism's more than just getting wet. Baptism's more than just changing your name to a Christian. Baptism, according to Scriptures, when the Spirit of God comes into our lives, you can't overcome sin without the power of God. But when you're baptized and you receive the Spirit of God, you're able to say no. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness. And we're able to overcome because of the power of God in our lives. And everybody in here needs that today. So I don't want you to be defeated by sin. I don't want you to be overcome by sin, regardless of the sin. And whatever your sin is, if you're looking for God, you're welcome here. But as you're looking for God... You need to look at the truth. And if Jesus slaps you in the face and says, alright, listen, go and sin no more, then that's a call for you to live a holy life. So don't hasten anymore. Resolve today to put Jesus on in baptism. Make a decision today that whatever life you've been living, toying with some sin, those sins that nobody ever sees, those sins that you can do in private, those sins that nobody ever is going to know about, God knows. And He sent His Son to the cross for all of your private sins. Whatever your sin is today, will you put it behind you and put Jesus on in baptism and put Jesus on as your Lord and Savior? If you need to respond to the invitation, please do so as we stand and sing.